So here's Jesus. He's uh, doing his teaching. He's uh, incurred, or, or, uh, incurred the, the ire of, of the sort of the people in charge, the powers that be, and he's um, uh, uh, the subject of their plot. So they want to get him arrested and taken away because he's, he's a threat to their sort of running of things. Right? The Pharisees aren't, aren't really the people in charge necessarily, but, but they're the, the upper crust, right? the top of the tier. And this Jesus, if people start following what Jesus says, they're afraid that what he's going to do is foment a revolution, a rebellion. And their concern is that if all of the people rise up to throw out the emperor and the, the Romans, the basically the city's going to be destroyed and everybody's going to get killed. And so Jesus is, is a threat in their minds to, to the people and to their power. And so they ask him this question, Jesus, uh, is it legal, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor? And, and this may seem an odd question to us. I don't know if you've really dug into this before, but you know, there's, a, there's an essential problem with paying taxes rooted, in fact, in the Ten Commandments. Because remember amongst the commandments, there are a couple of them that say, you shouldn't make graven images and you should obey only one God, that there are no other gods before God. And yet, the tax is paid with a graven image of a God. Because the emperor is a God, right? There's a cult of the emperor that you have to pray to the emperor. You have to make sacrifices to the emperor. And so to even handle the money, in fact, is a compromise of the most basic premises of the Mosaic law. And so if you're a good and faithful follower of God and you're living in, in Judea in the first century, this presents to you a moral conundrum. Because of course you have to pay taxes because if you don't, they're going to come and break your legs. They're not nice like IRS agents. They don't send you like stern letters. They send guys with clubs. And so, so your very safety depends upon your ability to pay this tax at the same time. To pay this tax puts you in a place of unrighteousness in regard to God, which imperils your mortal soul. Not to mention invites the divine wrath. And so what are you to do? And so Jesus, he very cleverly, he says, well, show me the coin. And he points out that the, the coin, in fact, belongs to the emperor. And he says, you know, give to the emperor what's the emperor's, but give to God what is God's. And what he's trying to say here is that as people, we live in human systems, right? In this case, we're talking about the human system of exchange. Money, we may think of money as sort of one of those things that's just out there, right? But money is not like air or the grass or water. It's not some natural thing. It's, it's an invention, Someone somewhere decided, you know, if we took worthless metal and printed something on it, we could pretend it's valuable and trade it for other stuff. And everybody decided to go along with this because, frankly, money is a lot easier than trade like barter. Right? Because if you want a new car, probably there's not a lot you could barter to get you a new car. Right? You probably can't come up with enough eggs to trade it in for a Chevrolet. Right? So, so money is actually kind of handy and it's convenient and it's a great invention. It makes so many other things possible. It allows people to be prosperous in a way they could never have been before the invention of money. But it's a human for invention. And the problem with human inventions is, well, they're invented by humans and people are inherently flawed. And so this system of exchange of money is inherently flawed. It's going to be unfair. 
Some people are going to end up with more money than other people. Some people are going to be really concerned with the accumulation of money. Some people are going to want to steal your money from other people. And so we end up with this system that, that is, is flawed and broken and, and uh, shows forth you know, the inherent human sinfulness, our, our inability to truly live into the people we were created to be. And so Jesus is pointing out to them rightly, look, he says, this is the system. You have opted to join in with the system. And I appreciate that it brings you benefits, but the truth is that sometimes these choices make you complicit in going against God. And you need to be aware of that. And this, this problem is one that, that we inherit. We, we don't have a problem with the money having a graven image on it more, thankfully. We don't, we don't make our presidents gods. They're just mere men. Um, and I think most of our coins still have just men on them. There's a, the dollar that nobody uses that has a woman, but that's a whole other issue. But uh, uh, we, we, we have these systems that we live in, right? that bring us benefits. World trade is a great example, right? Um, I lived in Zimbabwe for a while. And, you know, Africa is one of those places where a lot of the things, the basic commodities that make our lives possible come from. You know, all of the minerals that go into, like, an iPhone, which is, like, you know, a great invention. Although you should never give one to kids. We made that mistake. Don't do that. But... It's a wonderful thing, but it's, it has all these minerals that have to go into it. There's all sorts of different kinds of metals and things that go into making something like an iPhone. And they mostly come from Africa. And they mostly come from places in Africa that are ravaged by conflict. Diamonds are the same thing, right? We've heard of conflict diamonds. That, that you know, if you want to pledge your love to someone, some poor person somewhere in the world may have to risk their life to dig that rock out of the ground so you can give it away. The same thing with your iPhone, that, that people are, are dying and suffering so that we can, you know, play Scrabble online while we wait at the grocery store. And it's not that those things are, are, are inherently bad, right? iPhones aren't, aren't evil, they're just a thing. But we have to be aware that, that when we, we partake of these things, when we take the advantage of these systems, we are in some way, in God's eyes, complicit in whatever evils unfolded to make them happen. And I don't think the answer is that we, we give up existing in human systems, because frankly, that's not possible. It's probably not likely that all of us are going to eschew, you know, modern electronics, uh, clothes from Bangladesh, and, and uh, uh, you know, money. We're not all going to go live like Neolithic hunters, you know, gathering berries as we wander down West Genesee Street. And so Jesus is telling us is that, look, you're involved in things which have evil in them. And so your call as a follower of God is to open your eyes and to see those things. And that our challenge as Christians is to do everything we can to ameliorate those ill effects. To not, not be okay with them. To not allow our ignorance to get in the way of our doing good. Right? That, that we, we have to accept our complicity and we need to work to make sure that, that the evil that is inherent in every human system is as small as possible. We have to continually work to diminish its role and, and to uh, um, make right the systems that we live in. 
right? Everybody wants to pay as little as possible for everything they buy. At the same time, everybody wants to complain that people don't make enough money. Those two things can't be come together where everything's good. If we want people to have a decent life, to have a, earn a decent wage, we have to be willing to accept that there are costs involved in that. And that for the good of all of us, seeking our own benefit while we ignore the plight of others is not the way of God. That as Christian people, we are called primarily to do two things. Two things, that's it. Christianity is the easiest religion in the world. There are two things you have to do. Love God with your whole self and likewise love your neighbor. That's it. And that loving your neighbor piece means that you have to can be concerned with the welfare of other people. Because the other thing that Jesus tells us is that there is no boundary that separates us from neighbor. Which is to say that there is nobody who is outside of the boundary of neighbor. Everybody in the entire world, every human being, is our neighbor. And we are called to act lovingly towards them. And that doesn't mean you have to get all like dewy-eyed and send them Valentine's Day cards. But it does mean you have to be concerned for their welfare. And you have to seek their benefit. That you want them to thrive to the best ability that God gave them to thrive. And that sometimes means that you can't put yourself first. In fact, it always means that you can't put yourself first. This is Jesus' sort of the corollary of those two laws of loving God with your whole self and likewise loving your neighbor. That you don't get to be at the center of the world. God lives there. And everybody else just surrounds God. You are no better or worse than any other person surrounding God. So our call is to keep that in mind. To be open to the reality of the world that we live in and the reality of our complicity in the conveniences that we enjoy. And understand that these are choices. And that our call is to make sure that the choices we make are as tainted as little as possible by the evil of the world. Amen.